How many of you have heard that there's a presidential election in just a little over one month? If you haven't heard that, uh, can I ask you to please come out of hibernation and uh, get prepared because the next month you are going to be bombarded by way of social media and television, all kinds of media, and probably in the mail, probably over the phone. There is a presidential election coming in just a little over one month. Yeah. Far away land. Do you think the outcome of this election is going to have any significant bearing on the future of America? Please hear me. I, I believe this may be the most important election of my lifetime. Do you plan to vote? I wish I didn't have to ask that question. I wish I had complete confidence that every American would uh, take their opportunity and their responsibility to vote. If you're going to vote, let me ask you, what uh, principles or ideals or criteria are you going to utilize to determine who you vote for? It's an important question. You know, we seem to live in a culture that is very motivated by our reactions and our emotions. And there's a lot of emotions about this upcoming election. And there's a lot of reactions to the candidates and, and the whole process. And I'm going to ask you, those of you who are going to vote, to make sure that you don't vote simply out of anger or emotion or concern or worry or reaction. Now, let me ask you one more question this morning. How do you think God would have Christians view the upcoming election? And then how would he have us respond to whoever is elected? Think about it for a moment. How, what's God's part to play in all of this? See, I think it's another important question that we right now need to ask and answer. I think as followers of Jesus Christ, it's important that we make God the central focus of our thinking, of our ideals, of our voting, and then how we respond after the election. For just a brief moment, I want to share uh, a few ideas, five uh, that I have in regard to the United States of America. Obviously, this is not an exhaustive list. There's many, many more, but these are five that I would like you to consider and think with me today about. The United States of America is a very special nation that has been blessed by Almighty God. If you study the history of humanity and social groups and nations, the United States of America will stand out as one of the greatest of all times. You and I are living in that land. Number two, the United States was founded on the concept and the idea or ideal of a republic. We are often hardly ever hear the idea of a republic anymore. And the reality is our founding fathers established the United States based on a constitutional republic. And most people don't even know what that is. 
And we've moved away from that to a democracy. What we hear in America is that we're a democratic nation. But I want you to know that our founding fathers understood the difference between a republic and a democracy, and they were concerned and scared of a democracy. And that's why they established a constitutional republic. And the problem is that most of us don't know that. We don't know what a republic is. We don't know what the difference is between a republic and a democracy. And I'm concerned not only are we, have we moved away from a republic to a democracy, I'm very concerned that we're moving from a democracy potentially to anarchy that leads to socialism. The form of government that you have is vitally important. This country, the great nation of the United States of America, was built on a constitutional republic. And the problem, and I'm being honest, the guilt lies with a lot of us who don't even know what a constitutional republic is. We don't know that, that difference between a democracy or a democracy and our anarchy or leading to socialism. We've gone our merry way and experienced our lives and cheered and celebrated and got involved with all the activities of the world. And we don't even know the founding foundation on which our nation was established that allowed us to be a good and great and prosperous nation. Listen to this. Maybe uh, it'll sound familiar. I pledge allegiance to the United States of America and to the republic by which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. How many of you ever said the Pledge of Allegiance? And when you said that, how many of you understood the republic? Wow, pastor's being condemning today. Pastor's being uh, in our face today. Yeah, hopefully not condemning, but in your face, yeah. In my face, yeah. We've made pledges. I pledge allegiance to a republic that I don't even understand. You know what that's called? Hypocrisy. You've seen me. I don't like to sing praise songs that I don't mean. Because I don't want to fall prey to hypocrisy. I pledge allegiance to the United States of America and to the republic by which it stands. Let me read something to you I think is applicable. Many people are under the false impression the form of government, our form of government is a democracy or a representative democracy. This, of course, is completely untrue. The founders were extremely knowledgeable about the issue of democracy, and they feared a democracy as much as they feared the uh, the, uh, monarchy. They understood the only entity that can take away the people's freedom is their own government, either by being too weak to protect them from external threats or by becoming too powerful and taking over every aspect of life. In a republic, the sovereignty resides with the people themselves. In a republic, one may act on his own or through his representatives when he chooses to solve a problem. Listen, the people have no obligation to the government. Instead, the government is the servant of the people. 
and obligated to its owners, we the people. A constitutional republic has some similarities to democracy in that it uses democratic, democratic process to elect representatives and pass new laws. But listen, the critical different lies, difference lies in the fact that a constitutional republic has a constitution that limits the powers of government. It also spells out how the government is structured, creating checks on its own power and balancing power between the different branches. I don't have it for everybody, but it's one of the greatest documents that I have found on the Constitutional Republic. There's a few up here for after the service. If you want them, we run and I'll get you more. It's just simply called America. It is a constitutional republic. It is not a democracy. The United States of America was founded upon many important documents as its foundation. The Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and the amended uh, amendments to the Constitution. The Declaration of Independence... The Constitution of the United States, the Bill of Rights, the amendments to the Constitution. Every American should have read these documents and should know these documents. The sad reality is most Americans have never read the four most important founding documents of this great nation. We haven't taken the time. I admit, growing up in high school when they were talking about American history, I was more interested in the girls. And what I was going to have for lunch and the sporting activity afterwards and the party later on Friday night. And I'd do anything if I could go back and understand. One of the greatest regrets I have, even though we raised our kids to the best of our own ability, I'm not sure that my three children have read, understood, or understand the four most important documents that our forefathers established to create a constitutional republic so that we could have one of the greatest nations on the earth. My friend, if you have not read these four documents, may I encourage you, challenge you. It's our opportunity, it's our responsibility to understand the founding of our nation and these four most important documents. The republic and the foundation emphasized and was based on individual responsibility and participation. Constitution. We the people. We the people. We the people. We've elected officials. Let them do it. Gone our merry way. Blame them. Judge them. Criticize them. Because we put into their hands a system that was never to be established. It's supposed to be we the people. 
participation in the electoral process is a right responsibility and opportunity of every American. I believe we need to regain a view and a conviction given to us by our founding fathers and prioritize we the people, every one of us, every single American. We must get back to the view of a republic. We the people. Here are some personal convictions that I have. Number one, personal opinions and preferences should be secondary to biblical truths and principles. I sure wish to pray or hope that every Christian had that as a ideal. But I'm not sure it's true. Christians, I believe this Bible should be our standard of belief, of truth, of conduct, of righteousness. And this should be our worldview. This is our mandate. This is what we are to be establishing and looking to and looking for. And this will be the word in which we're judged when we leave our earthly journey. And I see Christians and talk to Christians and read stuff on social media. And we get into our emotions and we get into our reactions and we get into our political camps and we promote them like they're the gospel, they're the good news. This is the gospel. This is the good news. And when you get ready to vote, it shouldn't be your personal preferences or likes or dislikes or I like him or I like her or I don't like him or I don't like her or I don't like them. It's this book for every follower of Jesus Christ that becomes our mandate in any election, any political process. It's the Bible. It's the Word of God. Don't get too excited there. But you're mad, Jeff. Yeah, I am. Am I mad at you? No. I'm mad at us. I'm mad at the American system, even Christians, that we have kind of opted out in our thoughts and our beliefs, and we think we're, we're the righteous ones. We are in Christ, but we kind of bailed out of the political system by and large. Will you come back next week? It's Mission Sunday. I'm not preaching. Number two, every American should exercise their right, their responsibility, and their opportunity to vote. Again, we, the people, opting out of voting, I believe, is a misunderstanding of the intent of our founding fathers. I believe it's unpatriotic. I believe it's dangerous. Well, I don't like him. I don't like her. It's not about him. It's not about her. It's about the republic. It is, well, I don't like either one of the candidates. It is not about the candidates. It's about establishing and getting back to the republic on which we were established, in which God blessed, in which we have lived in the greatest nation on earth. We should honor every person's right to vote their own convictions without judgment. Gosh, I'm so sick of social media. Have I ever told you that? I believe there's some really good things, but I am so sick and tired of the judgment and the criticism and the division. Everybody is an expert on everything, especially politics. 
And so now we have social media because I'm an expert. I get to go ahead and put it on social media and tell everybody about how right I am and how wrong they are. We live in an extremely judgmental culture and society, and it's getting worse. We need to stop this unholy, unhealthy, divisive, dangerous, and destructive practice. Yes, Christians, we participate just as much. Are you saying I can't put things out on social media? I'm not saying that, but be wise, be smart. And realize you really don't have any right to judge someone else, do you? We think we do. I think I do. How many biblical passages we say we believe in Jesus and we believe in the Bible? How many times are we exhorted not to judge? Oh, I guess that doesn't apply to me, right? Because I'm an expert and I'm really good at social media. Have I gone to preaching yet? Number three, Christians should not criticize each other and divide over political views. We need to have a higher, more spiritual, more divine view. I know how easy it is. And I'm not talking, the point two was with anybody, but especially Christians in the church. Are we going to divide over the political arena, the political, political system? How dare we? How dare we flaunt our carnality and our humanity, us being right or wrong while we hurt a brother or sister by our view? How many of you know Paul said, hey, if it offends Chris to eat meat, I'm not going to eat meat. He said, because that's love. He says, you know what? In my freedom, I'm not going to offend a brother. Have you ever thought that in your high-mindedness and that, that you're an expert on the political system, that you might be hurting other brothers and sisters? Christians should not divide over a political process in the election. We should be able to agree to disagree and have a better perspective and hold on to our unity, continue to look to Jesus Christ, continue to pray for each other, continue to encourage each other, continue to support each other, and make sure that the body of Christ, which is the representation of God on the earth today, we stay unified and we don't let anything, the enemy, the political process, the election, nothing to divide us. Thank you. Have I got you engaged yet? Number four, the main issues, the right to life, the sacredness of marriage, and the Supreme Court appointees. How many of you know that there are a million issues? Read about it. Watch the debate. You're going to see every angle and you're going to see every issue. And all of those are very vital. Those, all of those are very important issues. But as a Christian, I have to come down to what, in my mind, are three of the most important things that I have to think about, pray about, because of this word, judge and vote based on. First of all, the right to life. Do I know it's a hot topic? I sure do. Do I know even mentioned it in church could get me in trouble? Yes, I do. But I am absolutely convinced from the Bible, and I think scientific uh, understanding and growth is, is supporting the fact life created by God 
starts at conception. At the moment in which that uh, conception begins, life is sacred. And I have no right and we have no right to play God. I know there's a lot of issues and I know there'll be people who disagree with me and I'll probably get people to egg my house. I'm not giving my address out. But when I look at this election, I have to look to say, who is going to uphold the right to life? I haven't spoke out on the abortion issue a whole lot over the years. I did early on. The point being is life begins at conception. And I am obligated as a believer to whether I like any particular candidate, I've got to take a look at that issue. The sacredness of marriage. I believe this word says, and I believe human nature says, that marriage should be between one man and one woman. Oh, you're homophobic and you're against. I am not. Do not use uh, reversal discrimination against me. I am not racist, and because I have a differing view than you do, if you disagree with that, that does not make me what you want me to be. You can't use that deflection on me. I believe the Bible makes it extremely clear. One man, one woman creates marriage. And when I'm looking at using my constitutional right in a constitutional republic to vote, I'm going to try to look for someone who's going to uphold the biblical standard of one man and one woman being married. Do I have people who I know who have chosen an alternative lifestyle of homosexuality? Absolutely. I bet if you talk to those people, they would tell you, Jeff Crabtree loves me. Jeff Crabtree accepts me. Jeff Crabtree has gone out of his way to show me the love of God. But I know that Jeff Crabtree disagrees with what my personal belief is, but he is not a judgmental, critical person. He would not throw me out on the street. He does not look down at me. He does not criticize me, but he does disagree with me. And I do know people who have been married who are both male or both female, and they would say the same thing. It is not about me. It is about this word and what I believe to be true. I will love those people. I will encourage those people. I will support those people. Not everybody's going to agree with me on every issue, definitely. And I'm not agreeing with them on every issue. But when I look to vote this uh, upcoming November, right to life and the sacredness of marriage is extremely important, I think, to any Christian looking at biblical principles. And number three, the appointees to the Supreme Court. Many of you know that there's going to be three, maybe four, that could transpire with a, a growing, more mature uh, uh, Supreme Court justices in the next four years. And it's the Supreme Court justices who will make final decisions in regard to right to life and the sacredness of marriage. And if I do not vote for somebody who I believe will vote in, people who will uphold the sacredness of marriage and the pro-life uh, thing, I will not vote for them. I will vote for the person that I believe will do the best job to appoint 
uh, uh, Supreme Court justices that will uphold right to life and the sacredness of marriage. I didn't say we'd all agree in here today. But I'm asking you to think. And I believe with all the multiple issues that are on the table and we all get so whipped up about and frenzied about, these, my friends, I believe are the three most important. The right to life, the sacredness of marriage, and the appointees to the Supreme Court. Number five, America's greatest threats, humanism, relativism, rationalism, and progressivism. These are the prominent mentalities and worldviews of America today. We haven't thought about it sometimes. We haven't looked at it. We haven't identified it. We haven't addressed it. But these are all that man is the central focus. God is left out or at most he's marginalized or disregarded. Watch out for the isms that are penetrating and infiltrating our culture and even the church today. Humanism, relativism, rationalism, and progressivism. These isms are dangerous to a constitutional republic. They make man the center and not God. Number six, it's not so much what's happening or happens with the election that's the most important, but our attitude, our witness, and our response as Christians. I think there's a great likelihood that uh, after the election, there's going to be a large part of the population that's not going to be very happy. And I believe there's a great uh, propensity that after the election in the next four years, no matter whoever is elected, that uh, there's going to be a lot of Americans that are not very happy with the results. But that's not the issue. The issue is how are we going to respond? And you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, are to be a witness. And if we think like the rest of people and act like the rest of people and respond like the rest of people, Without a biblical worldview, a devotion to Jesus Christ, we can get so caught up in all the stuff. And then I think we could lose our witness. How's that for an introduction? Are you, are, are you, are you going to, and I'm not asking for a hand clap, but thank you. Because I know that uh, uh, there will, people won't be too happy. And actually, I've had a number of people who said they were not going to be here today. And so uh, they didn't want to just listen to it audio, so they're going to get to see it video. And, and I might not make them happy, and they may give it to their friends and neighbors. And you know what? Again, I'm, my house might get egged, and uh, so I'm going to go to be, stay with my mom for a little bit, and you don't know where she lives. <laughs> and if her a- a house get egged, then we'll figure out something after that. Well, Jeff, are you going to get to the Bible? Ah, I'm glad you asked. You open your Bible today to uh, Psalm 11. And some of you are watching your watch. I understand that. We'll be done by 1230. That's an hour and a half. Psalm 11. Psalm 11. Verse 3. A psalmist many years ago penned words that are applicable today. If the foundations are destroyed or being destroyed, and I told you the foundations 
set in by our founding fathers were a constitutional republic, not a democracy, not anarchy, not socialism, not communism. If the foundations are destroyed or being destroyed, what can the righteous do or what will the righteous do? And if you see there, there's a question mark. And that question mark is for all times, even to today. If the foundations of our great nation have or are being destroyed, what are we going to do? And this, again, is not an exhaustive list. There's probably 30 or more I could list for you, but I know you don't want to be here another hour and a half. So here's five. After all that I've said, five things that I believe Christians, the church, we can and we should do. Number one, set your heart and your mind and your focus on what is eternal, not temporal. If you have your Bible, and you can look these up later if you want. I'll go there real quick. It basically says in Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. But let's look at verse 2 and 3. Set your mind. Now, remember, I'm talking about a political arena, political climate, with a presidential election coming up. Set your minds on what you read on the Internet. Set your mind on what you hear in the debate. Set your mind on what you get in the mail. Set your mind on what your friends and your neighbors think about the election. That's not what Holy Scripture says. It says set your mind on things above and not on the things of the earth. That doesn't mean you bail out. Don't get me wrong. Set your heart and your mind. It says be spiritual. Activate your faith in the midst of a very unique and troubling and challenging time. It's so easy for us to focus on the worldly things, the here and now, the election, the political candidates we have, the debates. Lift our eyes, lift our hearts, lift our minds, Christians, in this time. Number two, interact with Jesus and find his rest. Find his rest. In Matthew chapter 11, I'll turn there and while we go there, Jesus says what? Come unto me, all you who are weary and of heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. We need to take Jesus up on his offer in the middle of this political uh, arena that we're in the midst of. We need to take Jesus up when he says, come unto me and I will give you rest. Hey, many of you know I'm one of the calmest guys you'll ever meet. I mean, nothing, nothing gets me off course. Steady Eddie. Why didn't you call me? Why didn't you name me Eddie? Steady Eddie. No. You birthed a firecracker. I mean, I'm loud. I'm obnoxious. Don't say amen. I'm opinionated. Don't say amen. I'm extremely emotional. 
And man, if I'm not careful, I can get myself all worked up about what's going on and what I see in the debate and the political uh, candidates and what's coming and the fear and the worry. And then I can get around my friends and they're doing this or I can get around people who disagree with me and I get in. And pretty soon I'm all out of shape. And Jesus says, Paul says, set your heart and your mind on things above, not where Christ is seated, not on the things of the earth. And Jesus says, come unto me, all you are weary and of, of heavy laden. I'm of heavy laden. And, and instead of the stress and the worry and the judgment and the criticism, he says, hey, I'll give you a rest. I think the culture needs to see Christians who are involved, but at rest. What do you think? Number three, you can go to Matthew 11 later, 23, 28 through 30. Be at peace and good cheer, John 16. I'll take you there real quick. John 16. Jesus says this. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. Because in the world you will have political elections. Is that what it says? You will have candidates that you don't agree with. You know what it says? It says in the world you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Be at peace and of good cheer. I don't know about you. I'm preaching to me today. So if you, if you feel I'm a little aggressive and... And I'm a little in your face and I'm a little passionate. Realize that is the way I am with me because I know me and I needed to hear this message. Because this is not my personality. But in the midst of all that's going on in the next month, set your heart and your mind on things that are above where Christ is seated, not on the things of the earth. Come unto Jesus if you're weary and of heavy laden, and he'll give you rest. And he says, in me, I want to give you peace. Because in this world, you're going to have corrupt systems. You're going to have political wrangling. You're going to have candidates maybe you don't agree with. But he said, I want you to be at peace. We need to respond with an eternal perspective. Two more, and Dylan, the band can start heading back. Four, live at peace with others, even those you disagree with. You've got to go over here. Go over to Romans chapter 12, or you can look up on the screen. Romans 12. You know, I, I keep trying to tell God that if uh, he would just allow me to run the world and everybody would agree with me for a while, everything would be fine. I think by human nature, I think somehow by God's plan, I think by somehow family of origin, by whatever, I'm a fighter. And I sh why, why wasn't I a lawyer? My wife looks at me and goes, you should have been an attorney. should have been an attorney. I like to argue everything. I like you to have to convince me that I'm wrong and you're right. And so let's wrangle about it. And you know what? I, 
you know, I would like to divide and conquer the enemy. And the enemy are those people that disagree with me on everything. I like to win. And I like to win every battle. All the time. And I'm not blaming my mom for that. I blame her for a whole lot of things. My mouth. (laughs) All my dental problems. (laughs) But I won't blame my mom for that one. But here's this. Listen to this. Romans chapter 12, verse 18. If it's possible... As much as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. Even those who you disagree with. Even those who will judge me and criticize me and do an end around on me and undercut me and reject me and maybe egg my house. As much as it depends on me, live at peace with all men, even if those who disagree with you. Division is an evil tactic stimulated by the enemy. Even Jesus said, stop judging and love your enemies. Listen, America. Listen, America. This is the most important thing I got to tell you. The Bible says it's a true principle, it's a spiritual principle, it's a biblical perspective, and you can't get away from it. A house divided cannot, will not stand. Whether you're Republican or Democrat, whether you're on the right or you're the left, whether you believe that or you believe that, America, if we don't come together and we don't start Living by some of these principles, we cannot, we will not stand. A house, a nation divided cannot, will not stand. And we have to stand up and start executing these ideas, these mentalities, these emotions, these attitudes, and not get sucked up into all that's going on in our political system. Last part. Remember that nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Romans 8. Oh, how beautiful is this. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, sword, the peril... The coming presidential election, verse 37, yet in all these things we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, angel or principality, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of of God found in Jesus Christ. I don't know who's going to be elected. 
I don't know what the next month is going to look like. I don't know the way the debates are going to go. I don't know how each TV channel is going to make a spin. And I don't know how the pundits are going to talk about this or that. And I don't know who's going to be elected. And I don't know about all that's going to happen in the next four years, depending on whoever got elected. But this one thing I do know, my hope, my trust, my well-being, my future is in the hands of Almighty God and the person of Jesus Christ. He's Lord. He's Master. He's Savior. He's Sovereign One. He's the King of the universe. He's the King of all of humanity. And no matter what happens, nothing, nothing, nothing is going to separate me from the love of God found in Jesus Christ. Let's stand. Let's sing our closing song. so confused I know I heard you loud and clear so I followed through somehow I ended up here I don't want to think I may never understand that my broken heart is a part of your plan when I try to pray all of God's hurt in these four
join me, but I'm going to adjust my schedule so that I can spend a whole lot more time in prayer, praying for our nation, praying for the political situation, praying for the end outcome. I'm going to be fasting, something that I've gotten away from, and again, if you want to talk to me about whether that be a a Daniel fast, just a certain things, or a complete fast. But I'm calling all Christians and I'm calling our nation to not get caught up in all that's going on and to rise above that and to change our lifestyles and our schedules over the next month because we must come back, we the people, to a constitutional republic. We need to vote. We need to trust. We need to be a light in the midst of darkness, and we need to trust the King of Kings. And finally, we need to say four words. Thy will be done. God bless you. Have a good day.